Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 31st of May 2011. For newcomers, you should look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios I've put up there over the years where you can hopefully get shortcuts to understanding this massive superstructure of a system which overrides the whole planet and all its governments, controls all of these things. I try to show you the organizations and foundations that run it, who created it, who planned it all, who are still planning it all for the next 50, 100 years, or maybe, we actually, I think it's even longer than that, long-term projections, and how they, they basically use the general media to keep us busy, distracted as we go through our very short-lived lives. And we, it truly is uh, short, you know. Um, it's a blink of an eye, really. And foundations with tenets to fulfill can establish themselves for 200 years, employing, uh, using, working, uh, retiring, and employing again for generations to make sure they can get what they want. And they're not answerable to the general public either. They're also tax-free foundations that hire armies of NGOs and give them awfully good pension plans and stuff like that. So that's how the world is really run. So help yourself to the audios. And you can also get transcripts, too, of uh, the talks I've given for prints up. Uh, they all carry transcripts in English. Go into alanwattsentinelsentinel.eu if you want transcripts in other languages. Remember, two of your audience will bring me to you if you buy the books and discs that I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Hopefully, I can go on a, a little bit longer. And uh, you can do so from the U.S. to Canada by using a, a personal check uh, or an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, PayPal, uh, just use a donation button and follow it with an email with name, address and order and I'll get it out to you. And also, across the rest of the world, you can use uh, MoneyGram, Western Union and again PayPal to order. Straight donations too are awfully welcome indeed in this time of really inflation as prices go out of sight for just the ordinary commodities and as basically we're going into austerity, which is poverty, really. And it's planned that way. Uh, many big writers mentioned this back in the 1920s or even earlier. This big world plan would eventually, by using the tax base of the wealthier countries, they would bring up some of the poorer countries and establish a sort of happy equal, equilibrium across the planet. And once that's happened, of course, your standard of living would fall in the first world countries. Also, the United Nations have said for years, oh, we can't give everybody this same standard of living that 1980s America had, 1970s America. Uh, we can only support two billion off the whole planet like that. The rest will have to live in deject poverty, so abject poverty. So anyway, that's where we are today. We're, we're to, get, to go down into the paddy fields if we get a permit and perhaps grow a few grains of rice. But that's where it's all going, and it's planned that way. Uh, the brighter ones, mind you, the ones who do awfully well in school and who get scholarships will be hired by the world authorities because we have a world managerial class. 
you also have a United Nations University for those who didn't know about it and uh, they can get taught their global staff and get put in charge of a continent or two or a region as I'll call it then and uh, do pretty well for themselves and they won't think about those they've left at the bottom because it's just the way it goes in human nature uh, they're awfully, roughly good at justifying what we do as long as we're okay to say I'm alright Jack that's the reality of the world we live in and what we're living through right now apart from the redistribution of wealth that's been going on since the, the banks crashed and across the planet the, the Marxian tenant uh, and Planck then we're also going through this amalgamation of different areas into standardized regions. The Middle East, of course, is to go under one as well. Karl Marx talked about this in some of his writings, and many others since have talked about the, uh, this uh, conglomeration across the planet of amalgamated regions, big trading blocks. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and as I say, we're in for the long haul, and we've been in for the long haul for quite some time actually, just people didn't really realize it yet, and people are strange that, we always think that something's going to happen and suddenly get over it, and they don't realize that you have a big, big plan on the go since 9-11, of course, the time of really shock and awe for the whole planet, because all governments went into action with the same anti-terrorism laws at the exact same time, exactly exact, the same laws, same law. How can you do that? That's not coincidence. That takes years of planning and bureaucracies traveling back and forth and all of that stuff. So you know that it was all planned this way to get the, the, the system into a post-democratic system, exactly as the Club of Rome have been saying for years. It says democracy would have to go because it was too cumbersome, too many competing parties and, and individual groups all, all fighting for different things and so on. And they couldn't get the big job done. The big job, of course, is the world order, as, as it's known uh, basically to most people. The world order is coming into view as a collectivization of society, and that's why you have collective action, too, with the United Nations. The United Nations was created to really run the world's military and go into any country. This is on paper, of course, and it's not the real reason, of course. They always give you a good reason, but not the real reason. But it was supposed to um, go into countries that were mistreating their own people, and they couldn't really get them all on board at any time in any one war against any one enemy until really now. And they've got pretty well most of the countries on board, and they all participate in slaughtering some other little country uh, where big, big uh, internationalists want their resources. So that's what we're living through today. Because, and it's difficult for most people to believe because they're, they're not like this themselves. That's why psychopaths can get away with what they do. And we do have clubs of psychopaths. They do find each other and they can get along with each other with a bit of competition, of course. And, uh, they also have arbitrators too when they get too heady and too and much into quarreling amongst themselves because they're not supposed to let it be known to the public about the little feuds that they have. It's supposed to be presented as one happy family with presidents, prime ministers, all shaking hands and playing golf, that kind of stuff, all kind of nice. So, but there's nothing really further from the truth. Psychopaths are very competitive, and power is something, as I say, the ordinary person generally is not addicted to. Uh, you sometimes find the ordinary person addicted to some kind of game where they feel powerful in a game, 
and it's all fictitious and doesn't harm anybody. But you get the same kind of character and put them in with a, a suit and tie and get them into the right organization like the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, screw them up the ladder there, and then you stand back and watch them go to play. And the power motive is very, very important to them. What's interesting, too, is it's very similar to pedophiles and sex deviants. Uh, they don't, they, with age, they don't really lose it. They don't, they don't lose that urge to dominate, you know. Uh, even into their 80s or whatever, they're still very aggressive, big players, tremendous egos, and they're definitely abnormal. There's no doubt about it. So I've often pondered that, that very question. Is it abnormality that is called progress? Because we're led by abnormal people, really psychopathic people, with no empathy at all. And by the way, they're trying to get the word evil down the memory hole uh, because um, some big philosopher in one of the, I don't know, Cambridge or Oxford had written a book. I wouldn't buy the darn thing. But he's trying to basically stand up for psychopaths and say that they just lack empathy for people. And, uh, and that they shouldn't be called so evil. You know, people who do uh, waterboarding and, and, and signing documents to slaughter lots of folk, they shouldn't be regarded as evil. Well, I'm, I'm not, I ain't going to apologize for the fact I'll always call them evil, regardless of what some silly philosopher talks about or, or, um, PhD or whatever he is. Because they are evil people and they do run the world and they are the best con men you'll ever get from the salesman that comes door to door to the ones at the top. They're, they're all basically con men. They're like a creature that can analyze you and feel nothing except a, a vague interest in why you respond the way you do emotionally and, and in different ways to situations and they emulate that and then they reflect it back to you. In fact, they make awfully good actors. If you look at the, the categories of psychopaths, the hysterical attention-seeking psychopath is lumped in with the, polit- the politician. They're both psychopaths of the same kind of order, which is quite interesting. So that's really how it runs the world. And of course, they must reward themselves terribly, terribly well for being psychopaths because their ego is of prime importance to them. Even when they're caught doing something crazy, or even the ones who murder and are caught in the middle of it, uh, will always rationalize why they murdered the person and uh, be very indignant when, when they're accused of it, doing it uh, for lust, greed, or whatever. Uh, they'll still try and rationalize it so sillily to the on-listeners, non-lookers. So it's just the way they are. However, we're run by them. In primitive tribes, you can't get that, because when someone shows abnormality like that, and you know that he's not going to do his little term in the hut, not the office, but the hut, uh, at least the local people can get rid of him rather sharpish and quickly and easily. And he doesn't have an army, of course, to defend him, a private army, because he doesn't have money. You need money to get mercenaries, which are just private armies, to guard you. And we find that all down through what they call civilization. Civilization, technically, I think, has always been personally run by psychopaths. That's, that's my opinion, after reading lots and lots of history. And and even reading other psychopaths uh, put glory upon the ones who try to get world orders in their own day, like Alexander the Great, you know. And you'll see all these writers and teachers and universal lectures to say how wonderful this guy was and he conquered here and he conquered there and he slaughtered here and he grabbed this and grabbed that and all the way to India. And we're supposed to really believe this is a, a wonderful thing. Um, was it? Why was it so so darn wonderful? Just because he kept winning all the time? Is it a football match or what? But this is the way it's presented in school. These guys are just wonderful. Same with Napoleon, you know. Napoleon is the same kind of character. And um, 
the one thing about Napoleon, he left a lot of memoirs uh, about himself and, and glorifying himself naturally. But uh, he had a sharp, easily um, understandable mind in some way. It's very cool. Cool because psychopaths do not tolerate frustration. Uh, they can't tolerate frustration. They must get things done immediately. And they're masters at manipulating everyone else around them to do what they want them to do. Masters at it. In fact, lots of them will do it willingly. Very, very willingly indeed. But, uh, as I say, history is all wrong in that respect. Civilization truly is brutal, as ancient philosophers used to say, uh, because they slaughtered their way into places and enforced the, the, the superior culture upon them and the money system and the debt system and the borrowing system. And uh, they're always in league with bankers, of course. So civilization, money, bankers, uh, all of that go together. You can't even get a, a class who have not much to do unless you have a monetary system so they can sit in little Greek islands and togas and chat about things like atoms uh, in thousands of years ago. This is what we're told anyway, that the atomic or atomist club, they call them. They just knew that matter wasn't really solid and that these little things weren't about in space. And uh, you can't get a, a leisure class who are into intellectual pursuits unless you have a slave, a slave society, basically, and cash. So, anyway, we're still apparently on the road to progress, and progress and civilization go together. They're part of the same group or mob uh, system. And people have often said to me, too, um, well, what other system can you have? And I always answer, well, you know, I, I've seen enough people who live in different situations in different nations and countries. And the person who perhaps lives in uh, the outskirts of Borneo, one of the islands of Borneo, uh, they're probably happier than we are because they don't have debt. They don't have taxation. They can build their little uh, house anywhere they want to. It's a pretty good climate. And there's lots of wild boar and stuff around to hunt. They can fish. And they're self-sufficient. They don't have all. They don't. They don't know anything about Einstein or any of this kind of nonsense. They don't have to. And I often say, do we either, for that matter? But and they don't have all these massive wars going on. The, the most they have for a war is a tribal skirmish, uh, which is more cuts and bruises once in a blue moon than anything else. It's better than a, a dropping atomic bombs or phosphorus bombs over entire areas, and burning women, children, and men up. Uh, that's what I think, anyway. That's my personal opinion. Plus, life has far more meaning to them because in whatever spiritual way they are, doesn't matter what it is, uh, they're far more in tune with nature than we'll ever be as we sit in front of our computers and pay our electric bills and all the rest of it. And uh, they have, they have, life has meaning to them, lots of meaning. They also venerate the elderly and take care of them with a national health service. And, uh, and they build each other's huts, by the way. When someone needs a place, there's no big, you don't run off for a permit and pay off engineers and pay off fees left, right and centre before you can build it. You just go and do it. And that's all there is to it. It doesn't cost them a penny. And, uh, and they have a nice meal at the end of the day. Uh, so I, I never criticise so-called primitive cultures as the elite call them themselves and the psychopathic elite that run the system of civilization. They, they always talk about, um, primitive cultures and arrested civilizations, meaning what they mean by that is that they, they can't get them into this monetary system and working 8 to 5 or 8 to 6 or whatever it happens to be uh, and get a paycheck at the end of the week. The people are really not interested at all. And uh, they've never gone beyond the tools they can make themselves, which is wonderful because 
because they're not dependent on any outside force or private corporation to supply anything they need. Everyone else in the civilization is completely dependent for spare parts for everything and, and that kind of thing. And that's my little rant off the top of my head there because I'm just pondering that today. And, uh, and apart from that too, these little communities have a better form, a truer form of democracy than we'll ever know because everyone can speak. Everyone has a speak uh, and a say uh, together, by the way, and not phoning away halfway across the world to some European parliament or some place in the Americas when they put the American parliament up for the Americas. Uh, you're right there and you can say whatever you want and you do take a vote because everyone that the vote's going to concern must be present. So if it concerns you, you've got to be present. And here we are bombing uh, some other countries out of existence to bring them in. Makes me sick. And I'll be back with more after this break. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and there's a caller hanging on from Scotland there. He's Mark from Dundee. Are you there, Mark? Good morning, Alan. How are you keeping? Not too bad. Good, good. How's things in Canada? Uh, pretty well. I'm just waiting for a thunderstorm to break here. It's, it's getting pretty uh, uh, overcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's quite warm here, actually, I have to say, but it's, uh, it's quite temperate weather anyway. Firstly, as, as, uh, as all callers call, as all callers say, uh, you know, well done, Alan. It's, uh, it's brilliant listening to you because, of course, it's uh, just fantastic listening to you. Encyclopedia acknowledge and telling us what's going on left, right, and centre. But uh, I think the reason why I called up was just to say, as you were talking earlier on about Borneo and saying about how wonderful it must be just to be able to go out there and, you know, live how you want to live and build your build your house and farm your crops. It's a case of, uh, when I look around in Scotland today, and not just in Scotland, but uh, America or, or England or Wales or Ireland, but I, I look and I see that, you know, we, we have no culture anymore. And yeah. um, it's it's uh, an interesting thing to say because I say it to lots of Scottish people, I say, you know, what is it really defines you as a Scotsman? Because, you know, you eat curry, you know, you drink foreign beers in the bar, you listen to American music, you watch American programs, and, uh, you know, if I asked you, you know, what happened in the nice September back in 1937, you wouldn't be able to tell me it was about the flooding fields. And the thing is, it's a case of, this is something that, you know, all Scotsmen, as you know yourself, because I know you're certainly well-versed up on Scottish history, but uh, most, most Scotsmen, and, and I could certainly say English and Welsh and Irish, haven't yeah. got a clue about their own culture because they're living as globalists in a globalist society. And yeah. yet it's yeah. a case that, you know, they're just... Uh, it, it, it kind of like really saddens me, Alan, because I think, you know, you're taking your nationality from the fact that you're born here, but yet all these rampant nationalists all over England and the BNP, for example, one of them, I think, you know, you'll continue this, this kind of charade, this, this false facade of life, continuing yeah. to believe that you are who you are, but yet, you know, you'll go down there and eat your curry at the weekend and drink your foreign beers in the bar and you'll do nothing at all to promote your own culture, but you'll continue believing you are something you're not. Yeah, and, and they're absolutely ignorant of their own culture. And it's not their own fault because, uh, as I said before, uh, after 1746, uh, you were forbidden to speak the Gaelic, for instance, in Scotland on pain of death after the, the, the rebellion, you know. And uh, same with wearing the kilt too. You couldn't wear the kilt unless you joined the British Army and then they sent you abroad. Uh, and so, and then after that, of course, the, the, um, basically, um, from London again, they, they demanded that you put an education system in 
to or but in Orwell's memory hole, all the, all those other history went down the memory hole, and even when I went through school too, uh, I, I had to look into. It. I said this isn't what I was reading in the libraries, the old libraries. Uh, the, the history was getting taught at school. Whole chunks were just missing there. And when I read the originals, I thought, my God, there's a rich history here. But then I found, of course, that not only the Frankfurt School and the Macy Groups and all the rest of it, and John Dewey that came from, again, Frankfurt uh, Group, they said that they would literally eradicate all the bad bits in history so as that people wouldn't be angry at other peoples anymore. And that's what they've done. And he, he also said we shall shower them with global news. Now, most of the news you get now is from somewhere over in India or somewhere else, and really doesn't affect you in your own little area, what's happening in your life, but you're bombarded with local news. In fact, often it's hard to find out what's really happening locally. You know, it's, it's, it's actually quite amazing because, you know, I, I lived in London, you know, like, like, probably, probably like yourself, Alan. Um, you know, I'm a musician like yourself, and, uh, yeah. you know, I remember listening to some of your old shows and listening to this young lady who spoke up talking about how, you know, she'd eventually find out the truth and she'd, uh, you know, realise that she'd been lied to all of her life, and it's a, it's a huge, it's a, it's a massive hit that hits you when you realise, you know, I've, yeah. I've been lied to. You know, you think, what am I going to do? And, of course, to me, it yeah. was kind of like I experienced the, how I can classify the Kubler-Ross model where you go through, go through the five stages of grief. Yeah. And uh, you know when I when I look at the situation, you know I've come back to the, come back to Dundee now. You know I left Dundee back in 1993, a population of over 200,000 people. It's now a population of 140,000. There's, there's high unemployment. There's, the, 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 the city is full of of, of smackheads, you know, people high yeah. on high, high on drugs. Yeah. And uh, you know just to, to kind of move on as well, just like what, what you said in the past about certain things about you know people have talked in the past, have listened to your show quite a lot now, where they've mm-hmm. spoken about you know moralities and immoralities, and I kind of like. Think, you know, I, I come back to Dundee. I've come and I've seen the way people are, and I think you know, if, yeah. when, when, as, as you've spoken about intergenerational sex, and you've talking about you've spoken about taboos, and mm-hmm. I think about the fact of you know it, we, we're leaving ourselves in a situation where we've we've already accepted you know as much as I'm not prejudiced to anybody, but we've, we've accepted a, a homosexual society, and it's a case of thinking yeah. that once you let a taboo into society, then you 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 can't stand on any moral high ground and yeah. defend because you've already allowed, you you have created them an immoral society, which means simply you know. You have allowed homosexuality and listen, get ready for pedophilia, get ready for cannibalism, get ready for necrophilia, get ready for yeah. incest, you know, get ready for every yeah. single bad thing that's come that's going to come, you know? That's, well, we're, we're already eating, as I say, uh, in, in certain foods. There's little molecules from aborted fetuses and stuff for flavor enhancement. Uh, and just like China, they've taken the whole fetus, but eventually we'll get their guests with austerity. However, what they call it at the top is a technique, and it's called the institutionalization of, of culture and new topics into society. He hears the United Nations all the time. And they, they said that they would institutionalize the, the greening program, so it wouldn't matter what you were teaching in any kind of class in school. You have to start off with the greening and how it affect the feminist program and this program and that program, and then get on with your actual lecture on whatever it happens to be. They already do that, by the way, in, in, in universities in the U.S. So it's so politically correct that it's incredible to even get a lecture across without having to go through this rigmarole of getting of pointing out every single minority group first and how it's going to affect them and then get on with the actual deal. <laughs> I mean, it's can, I also, can I also just say quickly, Alan, as well, I mean, I know, you know, I, I don't want to take it with time. We've known Colin from Scotland, but, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's wonderful listening to you because it's, it's, as many people have spoken to you in the past, they said, you know, talking to you and listening to you, it's, it's as if, you know, you feel, it's like, you know, just to kind of like quote George Carlin, you know, when, when, when you're born, you get a ticket to the, you ticket the freak show when you, you know, you're born in America, you get a front row seat. But it is that case that when when people listen to yourself, Alan, we do kind of like feel that you know we're not going mad because there's other people who understand it. Absolutely, life. Um, absolutely. You, you got to know there's other folk out there thinking like you. 
but the thanks for calling. And I'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and there's Paul from Australia hanging on there too. Are you there, Paul? Yes, yes Alan. Thank you so much for taking my call. It's a great honor to be on your show, Cutting Through the Matrix. Yeah, thanks for calling, yeah. You're welcome. Yes, um, a couple of comments. I, I love your information. It's, uh, I, I believe to be 100% accurate, absolutely. And, and, and a couple of comments is that, you know, um, you know, these powers that be think they might have all the power and authority and all the money in the world, but, you know, I, I love it when uh, they'll get their payback, you know. And how many people realize this, that, you know, Armageddon, you know, the infamous, I think that's probably the most looked up thing besides the Antichrist on Google, wouldn't it be, Alan? That, you know, who's the Antichrist and what will Armageddon be like, you know, doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. But I, I found out from, um, like, from the research and stuff like that, that Armageddon, is an actual place called Armageddo. Did you know that? It's, it's yeah, actual, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a plains in Megiddo there too, yeah, yeah. That's right. And all it is is that when Satan and his dominions uh, uh, get all to there like with an army, there is not even a one fire triggered, uh, a pulled, because simply from the brightness of his coming, of Jesus Christ, you know, simply from the brightness of his coming, wipes them all out, and it's not even a, 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 a punch pulled just from the brightness of his coming. But uh, before that, though, uh, you know that you know that they're also a 200 million army that's meant to be going around the world killing people? Well, I think it already is, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But you know what that actually is? It's not Russia or China. Uh, to one Bible scholar, and it sounds plausible, that I know it sounds crazy, but it's like that movie Rain of Fire, where a whole lot of dragons from the, from the great abyss, from the... Uh, the bottomless pit opens up. Mm-hmm. What what that is is actual dragons. That's where the whole fire comes from. It's not from nuclear fallout, but it's from actual dragons flying. I, I, around I thought that came from the Rothschilds' vault under the under their private residence. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, no, yeah. I just wanted to say that, man. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for calling. And the, there's Dave from Arizona hanging on. Are you there, Dave? Yes. Um, yeah, I just had a few comments about uh, uh, the um, other caller before the last one, mm-hmm. and uh, you were talking about homosexuality. Yeah. And how it's um, how it's kind of permeated our culture, and I think there's kind of a division in kind of the Patriot Society and the Freedom Movement as to how they should view human sexuality and homosexuality, and I don't think it's a small issue because people need to realize that, in a way, sex is politics. Sex is politics in a sense, but it depends, again, about what stance you take for the Freudian or what. He always talks about libido. What is true is that the psychopaths at the top certainly have a lot of that, and they don't care what they're going to sleep with or whatever they're doing, but the fact is it's a power thing with them. Right. Um, with homosexuality, it's not like homosexuals just suddenly appeared. What it is, again, it's institutionalization of homosexuality in the culture. Uh, and that means it's been promoted from the top down. And anything promoted from the top down always has a different purpose. 
uh, even when they're using different groups as well, I tell people that beware of any group you happen to join or, or, or actually even uh, put yourself in recognition with because you're generally being used for something else. Uh-huh. So, so, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, I can remember back in 2000, uh, the International Censors Committee boards met together. Each country has its censorship committee for supposedly television and good viewing and so on. And they met, uh, and they published it in the newspapers in Canada and the States. And one professor in the States stood up, I think, uh, and wrote an article a couple of days later. He must have attended it. One professor in Toronto did the same thing. They're identical. They're like handouts. And what they said was, now that we've won the rights for homosexual TV viewing and so on, it will be promoted more and more and more. And then, But the guys didn't stop there. What was really shocking was they said, we must now push for the envelope, he says, and, and really push for bestiality and intergenerational sex. When you understand there's a different agenda behind all of this, uh, to utterly bring society down until you have no idea of what any kind of normality is, uh, never mind affection or love or anything else. This is an attempt to utterly destroy society. Remember what they've always said, to bring in a new world order, they'd have to destroy all that had gone before. And that primarily meant all values that had helped people down through many, many centuries, they'd have to be eradicated in order to rule each individual on the planet. And and using homosexuality as a tool is like it's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. there's no civilization that has has been able to survive a kind of uh, the infiltration of homosexuality. If you look through history, there's no, no. the Romans. No. But what you do get, what you do get, there, there are definitely clues when a society is going down the hill. Uh, and apart from the massive corruption you'll see at the top, and I could read all night if I had all night just on the corruption in governments, right, just from today's news from all over the planet. But you also get to the massive lavish, incredible lavish banquets they attend, blowing billions of dollars of your cash. And you also get, again, the incredible promiscuity of all kinds. Uh, in the open, out in the open. There's another guy done in New York after, after uh, Strauss Kahn was done just today, a guy who was the ex-chairman of the Bank of, of Egypt, for the same thing. Uh, and uh, this is the way they, they view anybody around them. It doesn't matter if it's a child, a boy, girl, whatever. It's power, you see. So when all of these things are pushed to the top, now, by the same understanding, if you want to bring society down, you follow the same basic rules of how previous civilizations collapsed, Greece, Rome, and so on. And therefore, the different groups that were rose to the top in prominence will be promoted now at the same time to bring down the present society to go into the new. And so they're, they're using all the different groups and, and giving them lots of funding and lots of media attention and lots of political correctness and indoctrination amongst everybody else, which, which of course agitates everyone else. That's, that's the intention of it. And, and uh, it's in your face right now. So if you understand the formula that countries go along as they're going down, or, or, or nations or empires go down, uh, you simply follow the same formula and promote it, and you'll also have the big collapse at the bottom, uh, at the top, you know, and the bottom. Yeah. That's the problem, though, isn't it? People don't think that there actually is a formula that... Uh, Professor Carl Quigley gave some of his top lectures on this very formula. 
and he should know. I mean, he was teaching all the, basically the whole, the, the, the foreign office for the whole of the U.S. He was the man who went and told them of all different cultures, history, philosophies, and how they rise and how they fall. And he always did it through formulas, and he went through that whole formula of how nations and empires collapse. Watch out for this, 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 and this. Again, the rise of, of New Age type or paganistic religions will be promoted. Well, everything you'll notice today is promoted from the top again down, not from the bottom up. It's from the top down. So people are deliberately bringing down all cultures to recreate everything from, from new once this collapses completely. Yeah. Eventually, eventually you won't be able to make judgment upon anything. And I've said before, pedophilia itself will eventually disappear from the books because it'll be so acceptable. Uh, there's, there's already been court cases in a few countries where judges have ruled in favor uh, and uh, said, well, the girl was precocious. She understood had her sex education lessons at school. She was only 11 or 12, but so what? They're already, they're already going on that route, that, that route. And I guarantee you, uh, it won't be very long before that will, we won't hear of pedophilia anymore. There'll, there'll just be intergenerational love, they call it. There's even TV programs out like that. They yeah. already have a new name for pedophilia. It's called, mm-hmm. it's called the TSA. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. That is part of it too. And, uh, and even X-ray and everybody as well. What you do with a prisoner, you understand, if you, and, and torture is to, to humiliate your subject. Uh, by taking away their shoelaces, their belt, they're holding up their pants. That's how they started doing it, remember, with the TSA. That's how you first started. All, all the guys had to go through holding their pants up and, and feeling like a, a, like a prisoner. And now they're going further and X-raying you. And, of course, with a, a little flick of the filter, they, they see you in the, in the flesh, basically, naked. And we're being taught as a society to accept all of this because, and by the way, uh, the, the, everything is timed in this takedown system, perfectly timed, perfectly, because they, they're constantly taking polls and through the Internet and so on of how the pulse of the public. And um, we know they know we're degraded enough now, enough porn or TV shows. You know, not, most TV shows and movies now have porn in it in some way or another. Lots of suggestions if they don't have that. And so we're already contaminated, as the Soviets called it, the system, by the way, because they helped introduce it. And to a certain extent, we'll accept more and more with each time, and we do. So they know they can push the next step and the next step, and they're training the public. Yeah, so what if we're watching you naked, etc., going through scanners, and your wife naked or your child naked? Uh, so what? And uh, and you're accepting it. So we adapt very quickly. And the only time you can nip something in the bud was is, in, is immediately when it's being raised to get passed or within one month after passing. That's the only time you have to go full steam with all you've got to eradicate that law. And it's too late. After that, we adapt. Yeah, yeah we have. I mean, I've, I've, I've been wondering why people haven't really, I mean, here and there, of course, but in general, people are accepting the TSA. Yeah. And the reason why is because we have been conditioned through television, pedophilia, homosexuality. We hear it every single day. And 40, 50 years of movies getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, now on, on TV, like, homosexuality is just, like, it's just normal everyday behavior that you see when you go into Starbucks. Yep. It's acceptable. So people people have already been degraded. They don't even know it. They don't even know that they've been degraded. It's just they, they hear the word. I mean, how often did you hear the word pedophilia in the 50s or in the 60s? Mm-hmm. Child molestation. 
That's right. In fact, it was very rare to even find one because it didn't last long in the community. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean people. I mean people. They just you. You just couldn't get away with it. It no. wasn't even. I mean, you just and everybody knew it. You just couldn't get away with it. There are certain cultures now. They're still like that. Mm-hmm. If they if you're found doing something like that, you just you you won't get away with it either by the local community or the cops. That's right. And local communities, too, at one time said nothing. It didn't matter if there was an investigation. Not a single person in the community would say a darn thing. Not a thing. You guarantee on that. And there's lots of uh, deep uh, um, crevices here and there in mountainous areas where they just simply disappeared, and that was the end of your problem. Yeah, yeah well, I don't, know what, I, don't, I don't know where else to take it from here, but uh, thanks for taking my call, Alan. Yeah, thanks for calling. Yeah, so everything is the same. Even Plato said the same thing. He said, um, if you understand how cultures have been manipulated and dominated in the past, he says, if you know the formulas, you can reproduce it again. You can make the public do anything you want. And I believe that's true. I've seen it. I've witnessed it in my own lifetime. Uh, and they gave us the, 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 the uh, permissive lifestyles in the 60s, rock and roll. They tried it in the 20s. didn't work because they had the jazz. They made booze cans sexy because under prohibition, and uh, they, they had miniskirts a whole lot, but they couldn't take care of the unwanted children. They didn't have the open abortion system, didn't have penicillin for venereal disease. And so they brought the same thing back in the 60s, exact same system with a, just a different kind of music meant for the young, miniskirts, rock and roll, and drugs. And then they started with abortion, open abortion and the pill at the same time. They got it right that time. And by the way, that was planned. That was planned by the same boys who brought you international revolutionary parties because they talked about their own manuals. Their own manuals talked about that, that system, how they would do that. And they've done it very, very well because the destruction of the family unit was, was imperative to get it all through across the world. Family units stand together and will stand up against tyranny. Even the smallest families all come together. They'll yell out in court. It's much better to have them, nobody turning up at court, just the person themselves. And then, then the big boy with, with a wig on and a dress <laughs> talks down to you. And that's it. This is all strategy. And again, it's been perfectly documented. And it's, it's been perfectly worked out in my lifetime. Not by what you think are, are, are guys wearing uniforms, but by suits and ties. And conservatives, liberals, Democrats, and all the other funny names they give uh, the pretense of the groups, the pretending groups that are conflicting with each other, uh, because they're all they're all elected at the top. Before we see faces to elect, they're all elected at the top by the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and that's what Carroll Quigley said himself. That's across the whole British Empire and the U.S. as well. And believe you me, there still is the old British Empire, the Commonwealth of Nations, they call it now. Exactly, they're all identical, and the monarch, the monarch is at the head of all government, still today. And that's where all the laws and, and this stuff comes down from. But they've even made movies too. Someone told me about a Nicole Kidman movie where some, her husband dies or something, and he comes back as a, a child, and she ends up in the bath with him because he's a reincarnation of her hobby. Stuff like this, you see. And that was out within a year, two years, of that that international censorship committee, where they all met together to push the envelope for the next phase. You've already already seen. I watched a sci-fi series. Someone sent me, and it was had everything in it: homosexuality, lesbianism, everything. 
uh, but it was gradually introduced over this long-term series. Uh, first, they get you. So there's only a two or three different um, systems they use to, to make a movie or a story, and they're all pretty much the same. And you always see people in trouble who bond with each other, the group, where it's cops or where it's whatever. So there's this bunch on a little spaceship like Star Trek and different creatures. You could even bring, bring bestiality into it because of some of the creatures. All the messages were in that whole series. Every single one of them was in that whole series. And people don't turn it off because they get hooked initially when they're not too bad and they're not cursing and swearing and using all the language. And once you're caught up on it, you want to know what the next series is going to happen. What's going to happen? Will they live? Will they survive? They're getting chased by all these strange creatures. And in, it, in between it all is the stories of, as I say, bestiality, lesbianism, homosexuality. Uh, and you could even bring in pedophilia into one of the scenes as well. So that's how you're trained without knowing it, mainly through fiction and then through school. It's interesting, the guys who started up the Royal Institute of International Affairs Dash Council on Foreign Relations, because they, they, they had a group called the Kindergarten. And these guys were the youngest members of these banking families, by the way, international money lenders. And uh, they took young recruits in, but they called it Kindergarten. And they also said that they start up real Kindergartens to retrain each generation into the next level of the changes. So you must get them very young, and sure enough, you walk into any kindergarten, it's been like for years now, there's a big picture of the globe on the wall, and how global we all are, and all the rest of it, and that's where you start it. That's also where you start having them go through these machines to detect metal on their bodies. That's, that's training them for the life that they will crop into. You'll notice the younger ones don't complain going through these scanners so much as the older ones, because they've done their whole school life. They've gone through these metal detectors and so on. doesn't bother them. Giving all their data out instantly doesn't bother them because they think privacy is some kind of strange, obsolete ideal. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And it, it just put me in mind of uh, the Frankfurt group, one of the, the Marxist groups. They're still running basically the music industry today and entertainment industry, movies, and etc. And lots of people in the entertainment industry are still devotees of this particular group who vowed again to, to destroy society as it existed by literally manipulating all of the culture and once again institutionalizing into the culture, uh, that means by or mandate through education, etc., all the, the terminology and the particular programs that they'd want to be pushed forward, which have been awfully successful at. You can't watch entertainment today without, if, if you can't study it as a director would study a movie and say, now what is he trying to actually really show here with every scene, then you're, you're gone, you're being programmed. You identify with the characters, and the characters do something like this or that, and then you'll say, well, you know, the character wasn't that bad, I'm kind of surprised, but I want to see how it ends. No, you're being programmed, because now you will start to modify your behavior by watching these, and that's how it goes. That's literally how it goes. Very easy to do. 
But uh, that private group, group, I've told you before, if you want to read uh, people who really understood how it is, and were given full permission by the President of the United States, by the way, because they merged with the Macy Group after World War II, given permission to change and dominate American culture, along with Bernays, and work with him too. You have to go into Theo Adorno. And Theo Adorno said, we shall know we're, when we're at the end of the total destruction of the, the, the he called it, the, he hated the existing society of marriage and bonding and stuff like that. He wanted, he believed the state should be really totalitarian and rule every single individual. But he said, we shall know when we're there, when we have, when we have necrophilia becomes the norm. Necrophilia. And then you get, they give you characters like Lady, Lady Gaga, a, a kind of third class pole dancer, and uh, who does what she's told, well managed, of course. Lots of PR, and I'm sure she's told everything to say, if she can talk at all, that is, uh, in the magazines. And uh, she's, she's appearing with these corpses that are going around now for art displays, you know, plasticized corpses from China. As we get dehumanized and dehumanized, it's not by chance. Nothing that happens in the culture industry is by chance. Nothing, nothing, zilch, zilch. It was the same even long before that, uh, when they brought in uh, the writer, the, the, the artist to give you the various Picasso-type schizophrenic uh, paintings worth stacks of cash for a few scrolls, you know. Again, it was to, to, to they literally said this, to destroy everything that the humanity thought was beautiful. Destroy it. And so they, they brought experts, and we all are trained to believe experts, and some guys up there telling you, oh, this, this, there's a nose down at the chin a whole bit, and it's going for millions of bucks. And how wonderful this is, and how it portrays this and that and all this rubbish. And, and people just follow it. It's like the king has no clothes. No one wants to yell. This is a piece, piece of trash. That's how it's done. We're so easily managed by the culture professionals. And then when they institutionalize it in school and actually give degrees for folks to, to teach this tripe, uh, you know, to, to make it more legitimate by giving a degree to it, what utter tripe is that? Huh? Art professors? Really? You are your own champion. You are the guardian of your own mind. You have a, decide, a, re, a right to decide what's right and wrong for yourself. And if something is wrong, don't be cowed. Say so. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.